Find all your favorite movies and shows faster with Xfinity. Just speak into the excellent voice remote to search across live TV, on demand, even Netflix and Prime Video. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Welcome back to Fair Game, the podcast sharing the stories of Irish sportswomen. I'm Elaine Buckley. And I'm Emily Glenn. If you're joining us for the first time, you've got a full archive of episodes to look forward to after you finish this one. Visit castaway.media forward slash fair game or search fair game in your podcasting app of choice. You can also subscribe to us while you're there to get direct downloads of new episodes. Also follow us on Twitter at FairGameCast. That's where we keep you up to speed with everything topical in women's sport, both at home and abroad, on a daily basis. We really appreciate any shares or links to Fair Game too. That's how we spread the word about the podcast. So if you like what you hear, send on a link to your family, friends and teammates. So we're here in Crow Park for a special edition of the podcast in celebration of International Women's Day. Liberty Insurance have just hosted their third annual Support Her Sport conference, presenting new research on changing attitudes and participation levels in women's sport with the help of some of Ireland's top sportswomen. We've managed to steal one of them away for a chat. So who have we got in the fair game hot seat? Well, there are a grand total of four women in Irish history who have won Olympic medals, and she's the most recent one to join that very elite club. A paramount ambassador for her sport and the women of Ireland, she had us enthralled as she sailed towards the podium in Rio last summer, and we are delighted to have her here with us now. Annalise Murphy, you're very welcome to Fair Game. Thank you for having me. Annalise, no doubt you've been inundated with cards and letters from young girls who've watched you in action in Rio. Who were your role models even when you were a kid? When I was younger, I just guess because my mum is an athlete and went to the Olympics, that was something that I grew up with, having her, she was always competing when we were younger and that was just something, you know, a way of, oh, that's what, that's what you do. So I think we grew up in that kind of environment and then having an older sister who was extremely ambitious in sport a lot more so than I was that was what kind of pushed me as well and then just because I guess I had such an interest in Olympic sports watching Irish sportswomen with I remember when I was 10 Sonia Sullivan winning her silver medal in Sydney and then seeing Katie Taylor in London just you know sort of the drive and passion she had that was something that made me just I was so sort of in awe of it but it's it's also as I've been kind of you know going through sort of my sporting career getting to meet other athletes and you know becoming friends with them and seeing the training they do that's you know that's kind of you sort of get inspired by them and you want to try and you want to try and be better or try try as hard as they do it was a lovely moment at the Irish Times Sports Women of the Year Awards back in December when yourself and Sonia were both getting, you know, the, the, the top awards, just two generations of Olympic achievement. That must have been a, a special one then. It really was. Just to, and it was some, you know, a person who, the first time that I met her, I was actually in Australia competing and she came down to, to meet me. It was in 2010. And I was so nervous, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> she was, she just popped down. She lived just around the corner, so she came down to say hi because she heard there was an Irish athlete down competing. I was like, 
Hi, Sonia. It's very nice to meet you. <laughs> and then in London, when I finished competing and I went up to the actual, to the Olympic Village, she was really good to me. And she actually snuck me into the Olympic Stadium one day to watch some of the athletics because I didn't have an accreditation that would let me in to see the athletics. So she managed to like, she had like pins and she knew which security people were Irish volunteers. So she went like through the right channels and she was bribing them with pins and being like, I'll get a picture with you. And it was great. And I was just following along behind her and she's like, quick, 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 run, run. And then I got in and got to watch the the Irish women's uh, four by 400 metres. And, oh, uh, and then also the women's 5,000 metres. So it was a, a pretty sort of, it's pretty cool. It's sort of one of my heroes then to be sneaking me sneaking into the stadium. In, yeah. <laughs> a well-connected hero. And kind mm. of going, going back to you as a young girl and watching Sonia on telly and then kind of starting to take your own sport, I suppose, up to the next level. At what point did, did sailing become something more serious for you than, say, maybe other girls your age who, who were competing at sport? Probably wasn't until I was about 16 or 17 when I was... In school, I tried every single sport. I played hockey. I wasn't particularly good good at hockey. I was I was the captain of the minor C team, but, but we did win. We did win the Leinster League with that. So um, I was uh, like, I wasn't. I was from a, in a school that was quite good at hockey. So I was kind of down the ladder in that. And then I also played tennis and. I tried to swim. I wasn't particularly good at it, but I tried loads of different sports and. I just liked being outside and I kind of liked, I actually really liked doing team sports because you're with a whole group of people and you're all in it together. But um, I was also sailing and I started getting a bit better at sailing. And yeah, when I was about sort of 16, I decided I wanted to try and qualify for the Youth World Championships. And I was in transition year, so I was able to put a bit more time into training. And that was the first sort of time that I learned that training, that, you know, sort of if you trained hard, you did get better that was I trained really hard for a whole winter I went sailing on Wednesday afternoons went sailing every Saturday and Sunday and also my like midterm camp midterm I'd go away on you know training camps and I noticed big improvement and I qualified for the youth world championships and I went there and I went there thinking well I'm the best in Ireland so I must be up there in the world and on the first day I came last in all three races so upset <laughs> came in <laughs> crying the whole way in oh maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was but uh, I ended up I finished 26th in the end so I pulled up I think pulled up from sort of 42nd to 26th <laughs> but it was uh, that was that was in Weymouth which was where where six years later the Olympics would be on and uh, like one of the the Dutch girl who actually won the silver medal in Weymouth and the gold medal in Rio she finished second in those youth world championships so she was considerably better than me at the time, but that was kind of my sort of eye opener into international sport and sort of seeing, you know, where I had to get to to try and compete against the best. So the Irish national champion in 2010, you made your Olympic debut in 2012, got the European gold medal in 2013, the Olympic silver medal in 2016. You've had quite the career so far. So. Can you feel that the profile of your sport has risen along with you? Um, I think probably the first time that I noticed anything was I ended up on the cover of the Irish Times in 2011 when I'd qualified for the London Olympics. And that was a pretty big deal because 
sailing doesn't really end up on the you know the cover of the national newspaper so that was uh that was really exciting and that was the first time that suddenly I started to notice there was more media interest in what I was doing and how I was getting on and then I'd sometimes get a bit upset I'd have a bad event and I'd read an article and Annalise does terribly (laughs) (laughs) so there's you know sort of swings and roundabouts to it when I do well it'd be really nice getting to read this nice article about me but then also they would report the bad the bad as well but you don't put them in the scrapbook so it's fine yeah Annalise you're personal journey I suppose from what must have been one of the toughest days of your life in London to the greatest day of your life in Rio has been just an incredible journey to make in the space of four years and it's been fascinating to follow um has it fully sunk in yet now six months on from Rio has it has have things started to calm down and have you had proper time to reflect or is it all just still madness I think in some ways I feel like it has and then other days I wake up and go oh how did I actually do that? But it is kind of when you achieve your dream, which is, you know, it's a dream that you think is never going to happen. I'd consider winning an Olympic medal, consider sort of similar to winning the lotto or something, you know. <laughs> you know, you dream, you're like, oh, when I win the lotto, I'm going to buy myself an island and, you know, <laughs> these kinds of things. And it's kind of, well, for me anyway, like winning that Olympic medal, it was similar. It was something that, I thought about it all the time, but I never really thought it was going to be a reality. So it was, I was like a little bit lost for a while. I was like, oh, well, what am I going to do now? Is there anything more? And, but then it took some time off and lived the life of a sort of normal 26 year old, at least what I imagine is, you know, mm-hmm. going out on the weekend and then feeling sorry for myself all day the next day, things like that. <laughs> That's normal, yeah. Um, you know, I probably kind of ended up with sort of some some perks in that, and other people are, you know, uh, sort of, you know, want me to go out and celebrate all the time, which is is nice. But then it gets tiring after a while as well. And but now I've just, I sort of have the kind of hunger to go back and try and race again and sort of achieve a few things. Like I had really low levels of confidence for really the whole two years before the Rio Olympics. So didn't. I didn't really know if I should be competing anymore. I wasn't too sure if everyone else had just got better than me. And I was just, I was still, I was loving training. I was enjoying my sport when there wasn't any pressure on me to sort of perform well. But once that pressure came on, I just would just sail really badly. And then it starts to, you know, they start to build up these events. And you, I wouldn't remember the good days. I'd only be remembering the bad days. And then when I did actually manage to sort of take the pressure off myself and just start enjoying myself again, everything started to come together. And like at the Olympics, people ask me, oh, must have been stressful. You must have, you know, how was it for six days? And honestly, it was six most enjoyable days of my life. Like it was exhausting and it was hard work. It was one of the hardest events I've ever done, but... I was never stressed. I was I was generally just having a good time and I was enjoying myself and it made me realise if I can be in that sort of state, okay, maybe I'm not going to be in it all the time, but more often just where I'm actually just enjoying myself, maybe I can, you know, sort of achieve achieve quite a lot in, in my sport and 
not be kind of I kind of say that I'm like Ricky Bobby I'm like I'm first or I'm last <laughs> so it's like I'm winning I'm winning I'm last <laughs> I don't really have the the in between the in between section I'm not very good at kind of the middle ground I'm sort of one or the other so I'm kind of hoping that maybe I can be more of the, the first and the middle ground rather than the first or the last you said um, when you were growing up that you were much more a fan of team sports but laser radial sailing is an individual sport um, but you've got a really brilliant team around you your coach Laura Winther, your trainers Rory Fitzpatrick, your sports psychologist Kate Kirby and of course your family you have such a vast experience in sport so in your book what makes a, a great team? It's kind of a mixture of things I was in Sarah was in a really unfortunate situation she had qualified for the Olympics for New Zealand and they told her she needed to finish in the top 10 of the world championships that's crazy to she, be sent. she finished 11th she finished they, 11th and they wouldn't send her and I'd be I'm great friends with everyone like I'm just I always get given out to you for chatting all the time as well <laughs> and gossiping but um, I've been really good friends with Sarah since probably 2009 and then she's come to Ireland quite a few times when we've had events in Europe she's I would say she's like oh I don't know what I'm going to do for the next week I was like oh we'll come to Dublin and come training or you know something like that so been really good friends and she kind of said when she didn't get the 10 you know the top 10 she said I mightn't, you know, be selected. And I just laughed. I was like, of course you're going to be selected. I was like, I just got selected and I finished 35th. So <laughs> that was the, the reality of, you know, I'd had a bad world championships and she'd had a pretty good world. It's like 11th is, is really hard. I would have been delighted with an 11th at the time. And um, anyway, she, she didn't get selected and then she put in an appeal and they didn't select her from that either. So I just called her up and I said, do you want to come out and train with me in Rio before the Olympics? She said, I'd love to. You know, she's like, at least I can help out in some way. And so she flew out to Rio for my last training camp. She was just meant to be there for 10 days. And it was between Sarah, Rory, my coach and myself. We just, we all, the three of us just got on really well. There was that sort of extra dynamic in the team where two of them were able to kind of gang up against me and then I'd accept their opinion rather than just Rory telling me something and me being like no you're wrong and uh, yeah we just we got on great and Sarah is similar to me in that she's obsessed with coffee so the two of us were just in permanent search of a good cup of coffee in Rio so we'd go all over the place we'd be like googling you know places to go and find coffee in Rio and we'd be getting Ubers around the place to try and find you know <laughs> this one cup of coffee we found this really cool place actually where you like you put in money and if you thought the cup was good you put in I think it was like three real if you thought it was bad you put in two real and if you thought it was really good you put in six real or something it was there was like an it was, but it was like an honesty box system it's like how does this work do people not just walk off the whole time like do they actually pay for their coffee <laughs> but uh yeah it was uh after the sort of the 10 days in Rio she was meant to fly back to New Zealand and I was meant to go back come back to Dublin for 10 more days of training before I flew back out to the Olympics and I kind of just jokingly said, I was like, you should come back to Ireland and train for the next 10, 10 days. And then Rory was like, yeah, you should. And then we're like, suddenly frantically looking at flights and see <laughs> if we can change the flight that she was meant to be on from New Zealand. And we were talking to Aerolinas, Argentinas and Spanish and Portuguese. And there was, a, there was a lot going on, but we eventually managed to change all the flights around. And Sarah flew to Dublin and... That sort of me and Rory flew back as well and then just trained for another 10 days and I was starting to get a little bit stressed at this stage because I was you know 
the Olympics were coming up and people just kept on coming up to ask me questions and someone would come up to ask me a question and Sarah would be like no she can't talk to you today she's in training zone <laughs> like your agent <laughs> and like I'd never be able to out. I'd never be able to say that and it was just so funny and then and then she was also like like just entertaining my entire family because she's so funny the whole time and uh, I was able to sort of keep on like do all my bike training and everything like that and they brought her on like the tour of Dublin while I was while I was sort of training away in the gym and yeah then she ended up coming back out to the Olympics and uh, it was uh, there that I had a, an apartment down in the sailing venue and Sarah, Kate, my sports psychologist and myself we had a little camp and it was just really good we we had a coffee machine which was another that's another story but that, that would take an hour to talk about and uh, yeah we just the there was Rory was just around the corner and he'd come in every morning and the three of us or the four of us would have our sort of morning coffee and then we'd go through the playbook I have all of the sort of scenarios that I'd written up on the different race courses in Rio I had this massive folder of every race course and every wind direction and every kind of tide and what could happen and what might happen and I felt like I'd prepared it was like sort of an exam that I'd prepared for to a whole different level to and I started to feel really confident that very few people had put in the same level of preparation they'd done all the training but I don't think they knew the venue as well as I did the elements play such a big part in sailing and obviously you spent so, you spent so much time out in Rio kind of I suppose adjusting to the the wind conditions the water conditions completely different to what you had worked with for for London mm-hmm. do you ever just find yourself like out in the water just wish that the elements didn't play a part and you could just it's like or do you like the unpredictable nature of it in an ideal world it'd be windy all the time but that's something that you have to deal with it's what makes it great as well because you're going to have to work you know the different wind conditions different waves it suits all different types of sailors and you're you're never going to be perfect at everything there's there's no sailor in the world that has been perfect across you know every kind of condition they always have a weakness so you always have something to work on I know that in light winds I'm probably between 20 and 40th in the world while in windy conditions I'm probably in the top three and then in medium I'm somewhere in between first and 20th and it's trying to you know so I know that of course I have to still work on you know training in windy conditions but actually it's my light air sailing that I need to work on the most and that was for Rio what I found very hard because in general it's more light winds than anything else and that was what we got for most of the Olympics bar we got one little windy day in the middle which actually really threw me off because I wasn't expecting there to be any wind (laughs) but it's uh yeah there's just there's so many variables and that's that's what makes it frustrating at times sometimes it makes me really like it'll be really upsetting and angry like I get quite angry why is it like this today why you know but then that's also it's you know who can adapt the best and that's you know that's how sort of I think the best sailors come out on top. Yeah. Talking about kind of the wind throwing you off on that day in Rio, one of our standout quotes uh, from Rio was your mum Kathy saying, um, "She kept ahead. She's going to take that medal home if it killed her," and it's an incredible statement of intent. So can you take us back to the final stages of your medal race and just kind of how difficult was it to keep the head? Um, the so the day before my medal race was scheduled, there was a 
a sort of a rest day and that was probably the first time I got stressed through my whole week of sailing and I kind of got progressively more stressed my sister and my brother brought me to the cinema to try and calm me down I can't remember what, what movie we watched because I was just like looking around going, I don't want to be in here I don't know what I want to do and then um, I was uh, sort of I ended up meeting Rory, Sarah and then Matt one of the other guys Irish sailors and I just in London I'd been very stressed before the medal race but I just kept it into myself and I decided I need to tell them I was like, guys I'm really stressed I'm not going to sleep tonight <laughs> and then I probably shouldn't say this but they, there was um, there was the, the man in the restaurant walking by with a tray of like bottles of beer I think I need a beer <laughs> <laughs> and they all were kind of looking at me and going oh okay so we, we kept like four beers in solidarity and anyway I like started having like a few sips of the beer and straight away I'm pretty much drunk because <laughs> I mean, like on such a strict diet I, it was and so I got about halfway through the bottle of beer and Rory was like and that's enough for you tonight <laughs> and anyway but then I went back to my apartment and I just was knocked out and I had the best night's sleep and I, I kind of I don't know maybe I would have still slept fine but I think it, it definitely just it made me just sort of relax a little bit because I was like the whole situation and kind of laugh at sort of how sort of sort of worked up I'd got about it and then I was like I definitely can't say that in an interview because then it'll be straight away you know other athletes in sports go and <laughs> go in ice baths sailor goes and drinks beer <laughs> to a beer bucket <laughs> but it was only half a bottle so um, that's but, fair enough and I'd, I'd say the one you had 24 hours later then was the most delicious uh, delicious tasting one of your life and just one, th- one thing that's really interesting to us Annalise is kind of the, the strength and conditioning side of sailing because one of our favourite videos on the internet is one that Sportsmed Ireland posted on Instagram last year right and it's of you on a balance board doing squats with a heavy bag on your shoulder oh with the boxing bag and it's just like okay do one of the things like that, that's three that's like three really difficult things is is the conditioning side like do you spend as, as much time at that as you do um, out in the water I probably spend more time doing strength, strength my strength and conditioning program and my fitness training than I do sailing which okay. is um, because it's such an important part of once it's sort of once there's over sort of 12 knots of wind fitness is a massive part especially in the laser it's such a physical boat and the fitter you are and the stronger you are the sort of faster you're able to make the boat go basically by keeping your shoulders back and keeping the boat flat that makes it go faster and then also moving your body sort of with kinetics through the waves makes your boat go faster through the waves and there's just basically once the laser radial was brought in for the women's olympic dinghy in 2008 we straight away started trying to replicate what the men were doing which have they've had the laser since uh, atlanta in 96 and you're just trying to replicate their levels of fitness and strength so it's just each cycle more and more people are more and more of the girls are getting up to sort of the really really high levels of fitness where their sailing is only half of their training and uh, yeah it's something that I used I didn't like when I first started sort of full-time sailing where because I was tired all the time and but then you start to enjoy it and become friends with people doing other sports when 
you're either in the gym doing your weights programs or I do loads of cycling as a way of sort of my for my sort of endurance cardio stuff and came friends with cyclists and cycling clubs and and then it's just you know you kind of you end up you're just doing exercise all day long but it's it's all different so it's you're you're always enjoying it it's really it's funny you say that you know all the various different types of sports that you do um from being in the gym to to cycling and being in clubs and stuff um and and for international women's day in celebration of it we're both taking on a different sport to get outside of our comfort zone something that we have both always wanted to try i'm taking up wall climbing um which uh, yeah it's it's now a sport in the olympics in 2020 so like i've seen the videos they are incredible incredible I watch them on YouTube all the time. <laughs> like these girls, like spiders running up a wall. Like, How do they do it? Well, I'm going to do it tomorrow and I'll let you know. Yeah, let <laughs> me know. I'm going to try out boxing 7am in the morning. Baptism of fire. I've always wanted to do it, so it's, I'm just going to go do it. It's so much fun. So what would be yours? Like if you had to pick a different sport, if you could just try even for one day, like what would be, yeah, what would be yours? I don't know. I kind of think of all the things. I actually, Gary Keegan taught me how to box um, back in... 2014 so the end of 2013 start of 2014 which was quite cool it's uh I don't know this like it was sort of something completely different for me and helped me kind of get over my fear of confrontation sort of <laughs> <laughs> and I but my, my 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 like person to punch was my coach so we already got like a few like gloves in the head and then um, good stress buster as well like you know yeah but I I, I love trying all different sports but I just I wish I was better at things like football or rugby or something like that I'll always go and try and play but I'll run around the place like an idiot but basically I'm just running around the place like an idiot like pass to me pass to me and they pass me and I drop the ball or if it's football I'll like kick it off in the opposite direction so uh, well it's yeah it's just I think it's good to always like try different things and then you end up finding something that you really like that sticks Mm-hmm. Well, take an hour on International Women's Day and go for that kick around, and um, that's yeah. that's kind of what we're trying to encourage. So, uh, yeah, I'll, um, just to I'll let you know, I'll go, I'll go and do some sort of sport tomorrow. And, yeah, uh, keep us posted. Yeah. <laughs> Big thanks to Annalise Murphy for joining us on Fair Game. You can follow her on Twitter at Annalise underscore Murphy. Make sure to follow us on Twitter too at Fair Gamecast for news and views across all sports and sportswomen, both at home and abroad. As we mentioned earlier on, Fair Game is celebrating International Women's Day by taking one hour to step outside our comfort zones and try a new sport. I'm giving boxing a go and Emily is trying out climbing. What have you got planned? Look up that activity, book that class, go for a run, jump in the sea, whatever it is that you've always wanted to try, do it this International Women's Day and send us a tweet letting us know how you get on. And if you need a soundtrack to your new activity of choice, check out our archive. All episodes to date are available on castaway.media forward slash fair game or by searching fair game in your podcasting app. That's it for this episode. We'll chat to you again soon. The all-new Toyota RAV4 asks, what if? What if your ride was refined and 
rugged at the same time. Introducing the all-new RAV4 Hybrid. 208 combined horsepower and standard all-wheel drive make it the most powerful RAV4. Plus, with its head-turning style and breakaway speed, it's bound to change the way you think of a hybrid. The all-new RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota. Let's go places. Horsepower. Ratings achieved using the required premium and lead gasoline with an octane rating of 91 or higher. Premium fuel is not used. Performance will decrease.